everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Rev Dive. I'm Kim Tolliver, and our guest today is attorney Steve Kaufman. He's a partner at Wright Constable and Scheme. They're located in the Baltimore, Maryland region, as well as Richmond, Virginia. Um, today, we're going to be talking about medical practice acquisitions, and we're going to look at it from both the buyer and the seller's perspective. Um, hi, Steve. Uh, you know, you have a wealth of knowledge, and I wanted to just kind of give you a moment to talk about your background so that our listeners and viewers can learn a little bit more about who you really are. Sure. And th thanks, Kemp. Thanks for having me. It's uh it's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, as you said, I'm a lawyer. I uh, work out of Baltimore. My, my firm has, we have offices uh, throughout Maryland and Virginia. Um, I'm a healthcare lawyer. I help doctors for a living. I, do, I move them around from job to job doing employment contracts. I represent practices. I make partners. Help buy practices, sell practices. What we're talking about here today, I, I do pretty much everything for my doctors. Um, boy, you, that, you buy a new house and the roof leaks, I go after the contractor for you. You get a speeding ticket in that nice new car, I got you covered. Uh, your kid gets thrown out of that really nice private school, I get him back in. And the I, other thing is, let me also add to that: you're a you. I look at you as a stand-up comedian when it. comes when oh, it comes to healthcare, uh, <laughs> because you and I definitely bounce off of each other, you know, great comedy. Um, and we definitely keep healthcare leadership um, fun and, you know, exciting. So thank you so much. <laughs> I, it's my it's my pleasure. And, and I want to add, not only do I do this all day, and if I feel like I've been, you know, see all this gray hair, I've been doing it for a while. Um, I'm married to a doctor who runs her own practice, pediatrician, right? You know, Rona. And um, means I get to come home at night and do this some more. So that's <laughs> pretty much what I do. So today we'll talk about buying and selling practices. And please give her my best. Uh, you guys are an amazing team. I'm so glad to have you on today. Um, so, so Steve, you know, the, the healthcare industry has changed so much with COVID. COVID has impacted the private practice um, exponentially, right? I mean, and, and right now, I think this topic is very timely because there are so many opportunities that I think the public health emergency um, has shown for physicians to collaborate with one another, um, whether they're collaborating in an ACO or clinically integrated network. Um, or, you know, the, the physicians who are retiring, they, I've, I've gotten, you know, a lot of uh, calls from physicians who are said, you know, they just kind of throw in the towel and they said, I'm, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity to not only buy practices, but to sell practices. And with all of this opportunity, I think it's a good time to talk about the benefits of both buying and selling. Um, let's start from the, 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 the seller's perspective. What, you know, you've decided that you want to, I'm sorry, not the seller's perspective. Let's start with the buyer's perspective. We can start wherever you want, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are your, what are your thoughts about the benefits of, of buying versus maybe starting up a brand new practice right now in the middle of a public health emergency? Uh, you know, I, I think starting your own is always hard. Um, the, the benefits of buying somebody else's practice 
are that it comes with the tables and chairs and equipment and employees and patients, which is really important. You don't have to go find patients. Comes with revenue already. Um, and it comes with processes and controls. Um, that's the upside. The, the downside is that it comes with the tables and the chairs and the equipment and somebody else's employees and somebody else's controls. So you better make sure that you're buying a place where the, it, it operates in a way you're going to want to operate because you're not going to get to train people. It's hard to change people. So you want to make sure that that office ran in a way that you can live with. And if you want brand new equipment, well, you know, this comes with what it comes with. So maybe <laughs> it's good. Maybe it's not. Um, but on the whole, you're buying the patients and you're buying the revenue. And that's a heck of a lot easier usually than finding your own. And that's I, the biggest I, benefit. And that's a, that's a really good point. Now, the flip side for, for physicians who are looking at selling, maybe they're retiring, um, you know, maybe they want someone else to take on the headache of, um, you know, business operations. What, what would you say to them? Uh, you need to think about what is a buyer looking for? Right. And then I want to give it to them. So when you sell your house, you say, oh, gee, my bathroom is terrible. I'm going to upgrade my bathroom. It'll make it easier to sell. I'm going to paint the walls white. So it's 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 lovely. Well, if you're a buyer, you got if you're a seller, you need to do the same sort of things. So get together with your accountant, clean up your books. Right. Your seller is going to be looking at your books. Are you making any money? Are you collecting all your money? Get rid of all that dead accounts receivable you've been oh collecting God. for years, right? Get rid of it. Go collect your bills. Boost your revenue, right? They're buying your revenue. Get your revenue up. You got some old, terrible piece of equipment, replace it. You know, you got a young, you're trying to sell to somebody young, used to the most modern stuff, replace it. You got an old, outdated website or worse, no website, fix the darn thing. Make it look new. Prep the place up a little bit and try and clean up some of your problems. You've got that, you've got that, that grouchy, terrible MA who everybody hates and you just can't get rid of her. <laughs> Maybe now's the time, right? Right. And think I'm, and we'll talk about it a little bit, but you know, I'm a buyer. What am I looking for? And then try and accommodate that. You know, you brought up a really good point that I just want to touch on a little bit is cleaning up AR and you know, from a revenue cycle perspective, that is, it's something that all of us should, you know, try to do, but I think it's even more important during the, the buy-sell process, because there are going to be things that, um, you know, folks are going to be looking at, right? And, and I guess we're going to talk about that a little bit more, um, but, but that, that's music to my ears that, that you definitely encourage cleaning up AR. Oh, you, you got to get together with your accountant, and if you don't have an accountant, go get an accountant because you're not going to be able to sell your practice properly without one anyway. And speaking of uh, accountants, there are um, assets that a practice will have, right? There are also going to be liabilities that a practice will have. You know, what are some of, from a, from a, you know, a legal perspective and what are your thoughts about how to address 
liabilities and assets during this process. Yeah. Okay. So assets, just so everybody understands, um, assets are the uh, kind of the obvious. That is the tables and the chairs and the computers and the cash flow, the goodwill, the patients, patient lists, all that stuff. The liabilities, it's all your debts. So you got a loan that has to be paid off and sued for malpractice, maybe uh, the pension plan, you, you owe employees money, or maybe they're owed back a vacation that has to be paid out, anything that the lease, anything that's a debt. Well, when I'm a buyer, generally, I don't want your liabilities. I don't want them. I, I, no, thank you. I don't want your malpractice claims. I don't want to repay your loans. So buyers only want to buy assets, which means they don't want to buy your company. They don't want the shares in your company. They don't want the membership interests in your company. They just want your assets. So, so typically what will happen is a buyer will go form a new company. Or maybe you've got an existing practice and you'll fold it into the existing practice, but you'll start a new practice and then you'll buy the assets and not the liabilities. At least maybe you'll buy some select liabilities. You'll take on some select liabilities, but in general, you don't want them. Sellers would like to get rid of them. Well, that's nice. They're, it's not, you know, except in, in extraordinarily rare circumstances, it's not going to happen. So just figure you're going to sell assets and you're going to have to clean up your own liabilities. Right. Good point. Now, there, with all of that being said, there needs to be a, an evaluation process or a practice valuation an assessment of a practice. Once there's that, you know, determination that, that you're going to buy, you know, let, can you talk about what will be assessed and who should be involved in that assessment process? Sure. Um, the assessment process, you, you're certainly going to need your accountant. There's going to be, you're going to need an appraiser at some point. If you decide that you want to go forward, what's this place really worth? Sometimes the accountant is the appraiser. Uh, you're going to need uh, Kem Tolliver because you're going to need, because <laughs> you're going to need to have to understand the revenues. You're going to have to, I mean, that's, mostly what you're buying. You got to really understand that. Um, you're going to need, you should probably have your lawyer on board at that point. Um, Cause if you let it go too long, bad stuff happens. Um, so those are the kind of, that's the kind of team you're going to need. So your accountant will look at the finances. They'll get, they'll get three years of tax returns. They'll get a profit and loss statement. They'll get a balance sheet and they'll tell you whether the place is really making any money. Are there any problems? Are they playing games? You'll, you'll figure out what's going on with them. Um, you, uh, you know, Cam looking, looking at the, at the contracts, for example, and I'm going to want to look at contracts. You're going to decide whether you want to keep them. So maybe you're going to look at the contracts with the payers, with the insurance right. companies. Right. Are they any good? Yeah. It, it, do what they the take terms? Yeah. Yeah. Are they making it? Are they, can they be improved or maybe not? Right. If they can be improved, you could say, well, I can make more money than this place is making. Uh, but maybe you're going to make less money when you go do your own contracts. You're not going to be able to get some that are as good. Um, you got to look at, is the mix something I want that they take, uh, you know, the practice you're buying takes 10 different insurance companies and you don't want anything to do with five of them. Right. Well, what is that going to do the revenue when you buy, right? Is it going to go down? How many patients are you going to lose? What's going to happen there? Right. Yeah. So you really need to take a hard look at that. And at the same time, you're going to want to look at some charts because you want to figure out, are they billing the way I would bill, right? I'm the buyer is a seller billing the way I would bill. Are they billing fraud? I mean, at the one end, is it fraudulent billing? 
right? So, so now you know you've got a problem. They're billing more than you're going to be able to bill. At, at best, that's your problem. Yeah. Or do they underbill? Do, do they, do the, are, the, are they doing for the patients the way you would do it so that you're going to be able to approximate the revenue? You're going to really want to look at that. Uh, and then the hard assets, like we talked about, how much of these tables and chairs really work, but that's usually the easy part. Right. Now, you, you mentioned the, you know, ultimately figuring out like what the practice is worth. So there's going to be um, a, a dollar amount associated to that practice valuation, right? Um, have, have you found that uh, both sides agree to that dollar amount right off the top? <laughs> you know, I... I, I know the answer, but like, yeah, so yeah, well, yeah, you know, and the answer is usually not the, the, the sellers are usually asking for more than they would accept and the buyers are offering less than they would pay. And maybe there's a broker in the middle who's encouraging both one side to come down and the other side to go up. So the broker can make their fee when the deal gets done. Um, it's all over the place and how much you get depends on what kind of practice you're, not just the individual practice, but what kind of doctor are you? What kind of practice is it? Where are you located? I mean, there's, you know, that's a, 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 a thing by place by place analysis. Um, you know, I, I, will, I will throw in one thing though, Kim, that I think is underappreciated in a lot of places, which is selling to a hospital is generally a different thing than selling out Ooh. to an individual private practitioner. Absolutely. Hospitals don't want to pay you for your practice. Yeah. Hospitals value your tables and chairs and say, we'll take your patients, thank you. We'll give you a job. We'll make you an employee. We'll pay you for three or four years. And then when you retire, we'll keep your patients. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You know, plus you're working for a hospital and I won't get political about it, but there are things to consider when you're, if you're going to stay on as a seller, continue to work for a seller, you ought to consider your capacity for dealing with loss of control because mm. working for a hospital will mean you lose control. How much? Depend on what kind of deal you can cut, but you will lose control. Ooh, that's a big one, especially for, you know, private practicing physicians who have been autonomous um, for, you know, for the amount of time that they've owned their practices. And yep. I could, we, we could really stay on that subject. Um, but what about the employees? I mean, we have human capital to, to take into consideration. And right now, especially in the, the you know, the, the environment that we are for, for workforce um, retention and recruiting, I've found it very difficult um, to to get the best of the best right now because there's it's very competitive. Um, I, I, boy, <laughs> we're in a very competitive market right now. <laughs> I, I listen every day to people who can't get MAs, can't get nurse practice, can't get mid-levels, yeah. whatever, can't get mid-levels. I, I, I see people offering bonuses for mid-levels yeah. where Wow. I mean, that's never, ha I've been practicing 35 years. I've never seen anybody have to offer bonuses to higher mid-levels. So, like, so that's something say? new. So what would you say about that? I guess from a, you know, buy sell perspective, what are so, things that we need to think about like turnover and, you know, yeah. Yeah. So when you're buying a practice, you got to decide, do I want these employees, which means you need to assess these employees, but you don't want to do it too soon. 
because if employees smell that there's a sale coming, one of two bad things can happen. They might all leave because they don't want to be under a new boss. Um, time, time, this, they've, they've been thinking about leaving. Now's the time to leave, right? This change, bail out. Or they decide that they've got some leverage and they come in and they insist on a whole lot more money to stay. I, I've seen that happen. I've seen office manager. I, I had one where an office manager came into the to the buyer and said, the staff all needs more money, including me, and they're all going to walk if they don't get it. Buyer buckled under, paid everybody, the managed, and then and then including retention bonuses, and then the um, the office manager quit, <laughs> muscled everybody for raises, and then quit. So you have to be very careful about how you time when you talk to the employees, as both the buyer and the seller, because even if you're the seller, what if the deal doesn't go through? You don't want to spook all your employees and have them leave. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing there is. Um, having a, a good transition process is, is really important. And I hope that, I know that we'll be able to talk about that today, but what I've found being involved in acquisitions is as the acquisition um, leader, making sure that the employees feel comfortable, making sure that they feel valued, making sure that they feel that there's gonna be some professional development um, you know, in, in this process for them and that they're going to be valued and appreciated. So I a thousand percent agree with you. It, um, it, it's, it's a difficult line. And that's particularly important if you're selling out to um, corporate. Yeah. You know, I don't know what kind of practice you've got, but you know, if you're, if, you, if you're a radiologist looking to sell your practice or you're a vascular surgeon or a pathologist lab that, and you're gonna be rolled up and owned by investment bankers, Lots of time the employees look at that and say, eh, yeah, no thanks. Yeah. So uh, another, I guess, consideration in this process is going to be the physical space, right? So making sure that there's a lease and, you know, just kind of thinking about what the location is going to look like for the practice. What are your thoughts about how, how to address that in this, you know, ah, in, you, in you this type of transaction? You, you raise a, a huge point. I mean, it, you know, a lot of people say, ah, lease, eh, I'm not going to worry about it. But, but really, the lease is a huge driver of whether you're going to make any money. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, so the question is, as, as the buyer, how much time is left on the lease? How long am I going to be able to stay here? Do I need to renegotiate with the landlord? You don't want to step into a situation where there's six months left on the lease and the landlord doesn't want to renew the lease, doesn't want to give you more time. Now you just bought a practice and you got to move it, which is expensive and you're going to lose patience. That's just a disaster. Yeah. So one of the very first things you want to look at is the lease and, 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 and something else that we kind of skip with employees is you're going to want to look at the non-competes, the contracts mm -hmm. of, the, of the providers. Um, because you don't want to pay a lot of money for just like you don't want to just get thrown out of your space right after you buy it. Right. You don't want your doctors, your providers to cross the street and take all your patients with them because all the revenue goes with them. So you have yes. to be very careful that you can protect against people leaving that way too. Those, those employment contracts are super important, especially you know, what I've seen is with the, the contracting and provider enrollment with insurance. So making sure that there's language in those employment agreements that requires 
the the providers to you know um, share their CAQH and their NPI information um, because that could be a, a real obstacle you know for for a transition. So that that's a great point, Kem. So so take that back to to the to your very first question to me, which is one of your first questions anyway, which was what can a seller do to get ready to sell, right? Yes. Well, if that's not in your contracts, maybe you should be revising your contracts and presenting people. If you don't have non-competes, maybe you better get some. Uh, maybe you need to lock down your important employees. Maybe it's time to give people raises as part of the sprucing the place up so people don't walk out. Not so much that you become unprofitable, but enough so that people are happy to stay. Right. Now, there's there's obviously a transition process when the, the seller and the, the buyer are kind of working through the transaction. And the seller becomes very important in that transition process. Um, I, you know, there, there's so many thoughts to think about. How long do you keep them? Um, you know, what's their role? What's your, what's your thought about that? Uh, that you're right. There's a lot of things to think about. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, all right. So if you're the seller, you got to decide how long do I want to practice after I sell? Do I want, do I want to, do I want to sell and then just get on my boat and sail around the world? Or am I hoping to make income for the next two or three or four years? Right. What's, what's my goal as a seller? Um, from that perspective, if you're if you're if you want to stay, you're going to have to negotiate a contract with the buyer. You're not going to become an employee with a loss of control, and you're going to make less money, and you, you probably can get fired. And you got to decide how long you want to work under those circumstances. If you're the buyer, how long do I really want this person around? Because the staff is loyal to them. I'm going to change things. I'm going to get undercut inevitably just by the presence of the old person. So what you're looking for from the seller is how long do I really need this person to transition the patients? Right. Right? Do I need them? Can I do this with a letter and a meet and greet? And, and a lot of that'll be, is the, is the practice branded or is it personal? You know, is it people go because it's, it's, it's ABC pediatrics and everybody knows, and it doesn't really matter who the doctors are, or is it a solo practitioner and the patients are tightly bonded to the doctor? So right. you have to decide how much handholding, how much transition you really need and act accordingly. And remember too, for every dollar that you pay, depending on what you want to do as buyer, if, if I'm going to go in, if I'm going to buy your practice cabin, you're a solo and I want to be a solo, I can't have you hang around very long because there's only enough to keep one of us busy and right. I won't have the money to pay you because I'm not making any money because I'm still paying you to see patients. Right. So it really depends on the circumstances. But on the one hand, it's control and money and time. And on the other, it's, it's transition and grabbing control. Steve, this has been so, so much fun to talk to you about this. Um, I really hope that we can get you back on again. Um, this has been such a great conversation. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we close out about the, the overall process of buying and, and selling a, a private practice? Yeah. Um, yes. Yes, I do. And let me think about what it would be. Um, 
I'm trying to think of the biggest mistake I see made. So I get paid a lot, right? I'm a lawyer. I get paid by the hour. I get paid a lot more money to clean up. I get paid a lot more money to clean up problems than to make sure they don't happen in the first place. And I think that if, whether you're the buyer or seller, uh, the most important thing you can do is try and remember that even though you're really, really, really smart and you've been running this practice forever, you did not go to accounting school. You did not go to law school. You did. You have not been doing uh, revenue for for I don't know what do you. I'm just looking at you, Kim. Two years, three. <laughs> we'll say six months. <laughs> okay, all right. You 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 are not a pro in in understanding how to negotiate those contracts, and you may never have done it. So the biggest mistake I see doctors make is they say, "I'm really smart. I can do this by myself." And frankly, you just went to the wrong school to do it by yourself. Get some help. In the end, it's a lot cheaper, smoother, easier on everybody. Just get some help. Don't go it alone. Great words of wisdom. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. And everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to having you join our next episode of Rev Dive with Taya and Kim. See you later. Thanks. Bye, Cam.